show. Good morning, everybody. My name is Colleen, and I'm a compulsive overeater. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and pass around my pictures. Um, I apologize. I've got some stuff my body's moving through. <clears throat> Picked a great day to do it, but love it. Okay. So, acceptance. Um, to qualify, I've been absent uh, 15 years. Whoa. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Um, seriously, you have no idea. And when I hit 30 days, I thought, oh, my God, maybe I'll get 60. Um, and my top weight that I know of was 311 pounds. I've been maintaining about 160 or so pound weight loss for, uh, it took me a couple of years to reach healthy body weight. So I don't know, like 13 years or something. Um, and I, I carry these. Those of you who heard me speak before, I'm sorry those who are listening won't see these, but I have these huge jeans. They're size 24. Um, and my sponsor that I had early on, one of the, the women who saved my life, um, told me if I was ever too tired to work my program, they were waiting for me. So I keep them down. Yeah. And she's right. Um, wow. You know, it's so funny. I was sitting here for a minute looking at this little desk, and I had two thoughts. One, when I was a kid growing up, um, I was... Uh, <laughs> Well, my progression with my disease was, was uh, in such a way that I, I just went up. There was no, like, yo-yo, up and down. There was a brief period my freshman year in high school when uh, I lost some weight because I went on some insane diet I saw in the back of a teen magazine that I begged my father to order for me because I had no checking account or credit card to order it. And, um, and then just got deprived and hit a plateau and thought, well, I'm not eating the stuff I want and I'm not losing weight anymore. Forget this. So that ended that really quickly. Um, But as a kid, um, my weight started to come on around the time I was around eight and a half or so. I I hit puberty a little early. I think that was some of what factored in. My relationship (laughs) with sugar started way earlier than that. Sugar is definitely one of my main alcoholic foods from which I abstain, um, which comes as a grace and um, a gift of my higher power and my willingness to show up and work the steps, and um, one day at a time. So, but I remember, I remember being in fifth grade, and we didn't have desks quite like this, but. You know, it was this thing of like, am, am I am I going to be able to fit still? Like, am I, you know, like feeling like really much bigger than the, the apparatus that I was meant to sit in. And then somehow in the midst of like being pressed on and, and all this stuff, like somehow having to like concentrate, you know. And, um, you know, I had a very mixed experience growing up. I, I assume most people probably did. Um, nothing is black and white. And, um, you know, there were certain things that I learned to sort of adapt. And eating just, you know, it came in handy. Sugar worked really well. I needed access to something at a really young age to be able to check me out. So I learned that, like, it satisfied that. I also just, um, my body felt numb, so it disconnected me from my body, a large part of my disease centers in my perception of my body um, and or misperception <laughs> probably be more accurate um, 
And I've also, thankfully, as a result of working the steps, experienced a lot of healing around that as well. Um, you know, the, I, I remember when I first came in, I was in my late 20s. And I had this strange notion, I remember when I was in high school, that by the time I hit 30, I was somehow going to be living healthy. Now, nothing in my life at that time had any, any indication of that. I, I was a dancer. I always danced, no matter how heavy I was. Um, that's always been a passion of mine. Um, but I ate, like, everything under the sun, you know. I mean, no, I was really picky, but I mean, if it was fatty, if it was sugary, if it was bready, I was all over it. Um, and, you know, when I got my driver's license and stuff, I was like rocking so I can go places and pick stuff up. And um, I still remember in my, I didn't have my own car, I drove my parents' cars. And my dad had a workshop, um, he was a carpenter that was built out of the house. So the driveway went up to the workshop and there was a big trash bin right outside there. And of course, because he was going to use the car next, I had to take all the evidence <laughs> and get rid of it. But I wasn't going to throw it in the trash can in the kitchen, are you kidding? My mother might see it and then, I would, and then I'd hear about it. So, because I was my mother's like... Um, concern you know like everything in the family was fine Colleen was just that so there was no other obvious evidence that like something might be a little miss here so you know it's so funny um, I mean what you know one of the most remarkable things because of course growing up I thought everything was my mother's fault and um, you know it's, it's not <laughs> it's not um, you know <laughs> Sorry. I just spent Thanksgiving. Um, my parents, my family lives in another state, and um, I've experienced such grace with my family. I can't even tell you. Um, Turns out they're really beautiful people, <laughs> and they love me a lot, and they did the best they could, you know, and and they still do, and um, you know, I. How did that come about? That came about because in the big book they talk about this resentment prayer, <laughs> and it says like you should wish all these good things or you know health and happiness or whatever for the people that you least want that for. And um, so I thought, all right, you know, and of course in the big book, I think it says like, do it for two weeks. <laughs> yeah, I needed a little more time than that. So <laughs> what I did was I made a practice of praying for their health, wealth, and happiness every single night. And um, with my father, um, I didn't, I didn't really mean it, but, um, but that was okay. And I told God that. I said, I don't really mean this, but I'm just saying it because that's what they say works. Um, and, and it really started out um, with, I hope the MF and bastard gets this, and then the bastard, and then the man, and then the father who I love. And uh, with my mother, wasn't quite as extreme, but, um, you know, 
and at, at one point there was just this opening and like I realized that I wanted to see them and I wanted to be around them and I and I cared about them and I mean I don't live with them I didn't like move back in home I mean I'm not like crazy you know <laughs> like you know but but there's an opening in my heart and a space in my heart that was never there before because it was filled with so much anger and a lot of that anger was really just towards myself you know but it's opened the space to have conversations that I never thought I would have and you know um, walk through things that like I'm not going to be you know when their life is ending going oh my god you know like I missed out on all this stuff um, and I'm really grateful for that and that was not what I walked in here for I literally just wanted to like feel a little bit more comfortable in my body <laughs> and I also didn't come in because I was like I don't want to overeat anymore I didn't know okay first of all I didn't know I was overeating I mean like logically yes obviously I was really big so I was probably eating more than I needed to but like food was my drug food was what allowed me to survive so like it was not the problem my body was the problem and I could no longer ignore how physically uncomfortable I was in my body so because I was pretty cut off at the neck so like I didn't actually have an awareness of this apparatus you know I bump into things you know for being a dancer I was strangely uncoordinated um, you know and I bruise and, and it was just like oh yeah that's right you know like I could walk around and something was bothering me and I wouldn't you know like oh it's so annoying I was like angry in my body for like having pain <laughs> my body's like well what are you expecting you know but anyways um, you know so that's what I came in here for and and as I listened to you guys talk and, and you shared stories about like how you were around food and I was like oh, that sounds vaguely familiar um, you know and, and I'm so grateful that like you can't kick me out because I'm not you know willing to stop eating compulsively because when you first talked I was like I don't even know what that is like what do you mean like I just eat like I just this is what I do you know and so when I I connected with a sponsor and we set up an abstinence which was basically boundaries around food that's where I had to start that I only ate three times a day because basically for me I was fine until we hit about like three o'clock I was a teacher at the time um, which is the other reason I was connecting to this desk because I'm not a teacher anymore not that that's I, I moved on from that in my life and I don't know that I ever would have done that had it not been for this program um, I don't know that I ever would have been open to living a different way than I had had it not been for this program so um, the first step for me because when three o'clock hit don't you know I need all these accoutrements to like grade papers and stuff like that and I was the martyr who went in on Saturday and stopped at the AM PM on the way and then was ordering pizza on the phone so it was the pizza guy who's like my best buddy <laughs> was there at the door when I got home and then of course I had to stop at the grocery store and buy some cookie dough to have with me after the pizza now I never finished the whole pizza or all the cookie dough because I needed something first thing in the morning when I woke up I ever have to pass out that's really the only reason I think I never ate the whole thing at once it's not I wasn't capable um, or that because or I fell asleep so I was a total drunk with food um, and you know so that was my pattern around food so having boundaries around food was the first thing that there was a period of time when I wasn't eating and so that's when I had to 
write and I had to read and I hated calling so I did a lot of writing because I was so afraid like I'd be bothering you which I learned is kind of a misnomer because A, people don't answer their phone if they don't want to answer their phone and B, um, you know, it's really none of my business whether or not you are bothered by me because the 10th step says if I'm bothered, I'm the one who's bothered. So that's what I've had to learn to apply in my life. <laughs> I mean, I can't tell you the number of times in the first few years my recovery, my sponsor's like, you know, anytime we're disturbed by a person, place, or thing, there's something wrong with us. And she's like, every time, I still remember on the phone, she's like, every time, I was like, every time, she's like, every time. I was like, oh. And I know she was, that wasn't how she was on the other end of the line. She probably said it very nicely, but of course it comes across like, mm-hmm. And um, so, and, but what, what I learned ultimately is that it's so freeing because I can't do anything about what you do or don't do. I, I, I don't care how much as a child I thought I was able to manipulate things by not saying stuff or behaving a certain way. Yeah, apparently I thought I was really powerful as a child. Not true, okay? So the reality is, is the only thing that I can do is open up my perspective to seeing it in a different way. You know, yes, this appears to me like this, but maybe it's different. And I need God for that. God, show me how to see this differently. God, what do you, why do you want me here? This is, you know, this person is really irritating me and pissing me off. So I'm presuming that I'm in this situation because there's something I need to learn. So can you show me now? <laughs> I'm very demanding of my heart part. Um, he just laughs, or she, depending on which version I get. So um, in, in the process of doing all this, I also learned to identify what were my alcoholic foods because I could eat just only certain times a day, but if I was still eating sugar, like forget it. Like there, there was probably not going to be a stop. Um, and you know, it was like I, I've never been an out um, a drinker, so I don't know what it'd be like if somebody like took shots and then like waited a few hours and then took more shots. I mean, it just doesn't you know really work. So. Um, so then over time I added those specific foods to my absence and basically the weight kind of took care of itself I mean I had to plan I had to do a lot of proactive things that I never did before um, learn how to bring my lunch places learn how to um, spend take out carve out time to like cut up vegetables and um, but there were all these kinds of things that changed like my taste buds reappeared on my tongue because Sugar seriously numbed. Like I hated vegetables. I hated fish. I'd never have soup. Like those are all the most bland things. Turns out fruit is very sweet. I was like, wow, who knew? Like I always thought it was most bland. I was like, ugh, whatever, you know. Um, but things like have taste now. I'm like, wow, this is fascinating. Like, so all these things begin to be restored, you know. Um, my relationship with my body has begun to be restored. I mean, it's an ongoing process, but that's what I've learned that recovery is. The difference is, is that I'm no longer standing around waiting for it, just hoping it'll get a little bit better. Like when I hit another bump in the road, I go, oh, look, that's another bump. But I have some evidence now. My sponsor talks about this a lot. She goes, now you have evidence. You can look back and go, remember that time you experienced this? And you thought, oh, it's never going to get any better. You know, when I think about impossible things in relationships, all I have to do is look at my relationship with my parents and go, yeah, I didn't think that was ever going to happen. You know, I, I didn't speak to my father for three years. 
I thought I wasn't even sure. Five minutes. Thank you. I was like, is that a warning or somebody forgot to turn their phone off? Okay. And, um, you know, those are impossible things. And it was not on, it's not on my timeline. It's not on my trajectory, you know. And that's the, the surrender all the time to just let go. Like, it, you know, I think it's supposed to look like this. And God goes, that's a really interesting idea, Colleen. Thanks for sharing that with me, you know. Because God's just like, you don't know it, but I've got something even bigger in mind. And we're going to take it step by step so that when you get there, you're not so freaking overwhelmed by it that you jump on it and then run the other direction. You know? Because I've spent a lot of my life doing this where I have like a stop sign and I'm like, come on, come on, you can come into my life, but you know, like this thing. So, I'm, you know, making a decision. And it talks about that in step five. It says that um, if you have decided that you want what we have, so my sponsor pointed out to me that that's step zero. If I don't make a decision, it's all nice, wishful thinking. You know, I mean, a million times growing up, I would lay down on my bed at night after having binge and, like, literally, like, touch every part of my body and go, okay, God, just make me skinny when I wake up. But I had, I had no bandwidth or no um, skill set to handle that because as I reached a healthy body weight, women's relationship with me changed. All of a sudden, there was a little rivalry thing going on. I met, well, it was a nice fat chick woman, like, said, you're so nice, and we love you. So that was interesting. Um, and, and all of a sudden, men started looking at me differently, and I was like, oh, okay. And I had no skill set for that. So I needed to have a sponsor who would explain to me, like, this is how you walk through these things. And this is why you bring God into this. And, you know, so had I gotten skinny in high school when I wanted so I could have had some of those, like, super cool experiences, I would have had no skill set to deal with that. And I would have been right back into the madness that I, I knew. And so I trust that I got to the recovery point in my life when I got there because that's when I was supposed to, right? I mean, like, what what is this supposed to anyways? Um and so living in recovery today is about maintaining those things that support my recovery, keeping those first. Because if I let other things come before my recovery, then it's kind of, you know, a, a permission to that oh, I've got a better idea, basically. And um, I can only walk in life one day at a time because it's where my feet are. And I remember hearing that early on, like, be where your feet are. And I was like, oh, that's a good one. <laughs> because I can't, you know, if I'm thinking about yesterday or I'm envisioning tomorrow, maybe there's something there for me to look at. But the question is, what do I do with that today? And did I then lose the presence of being with that person that I'm talking to? Because I'm in my mind either about what my answer is to their question before they're finished asking it, or because you know I'm uncomfortable like there's indications of things all around me and strangely enough one of the things that I never <coughs> imagined I would find is that life is like this beautiful disaster you know I mean I don't know maybe that's a line from a song or something but it's it really is it's like it's a mess but like and I was always scared of messes because I thought that meant that like I messed it up you know, because I'm so responsible for everything. And 
you know, like life is bumpy and, but like there, I get to, because I'm willing to walk through those instead of eating over them, I get to experience the other side of it. And sometimes the profound beauty that I see is almost as overwhelming, if not more, than the profound sadness I experience, you know. And I just have to remember to take a deep breath and to pause, you know. And it says that all the time in our literature, we pause when agitated or doubtful. We ask for the right thought or question. And, and, you know, so each morning is part of my prayer and meditation routine. You know, I say, God, like, show me what to do, tell me what to say, and use me as you will. And do I always mean it? Am I always super intentional about it? No. Do I step and, you know, get in the way? Sure. And then I go back, you know. And I learn that God is always about what you're going to do now. You know, I'm the one who's like, oh, I should have, you know. Like, I've never had an experience of God, thank you, I'll wrap up, where God was like, where have you been? You know, that's me. That's my disease, you know. And God's like, cool, you're here. Now we can get to work. So, I hope something I said was helpful. Thank you for letting me share. This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Um, please remember if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA pod- podcast. Okay, so I guess now is the time for questions. Yes? So you want to know what my definition of my higher power? Um, well, my definition of my higher power is well, one, that's a power that's greater than me. In terms of how it shows up in my life um, is in many different facets. Um, For sometimes me, it's a particular um, male or female presence. Sometimes it's a a sense of um, warmth about something. Sometimes it's um, in, like, random, like, bumper stickers on cars. Sometimes it's a song that comes on the radio. Sometimes it's in a, an interaction, and sometimes when I feel like my heart bursts open, it's 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 so changing all the time. You know, over over the years, it's really grown. When I came in, I, I had a faith that I practiced, and that was pretty much like my view of it. But um, that's really grown a lot through the years um, as I've you know perfected and enlarged. Well, I don't know how much I've perfected, but I've certainly enlarged my spiritual life. So. I hope that answers your question. Yes. How do you turn your character defects over to God? How do I turn my character defects? Um, Well, part of um, my my practice is I write a letter to God every every morning. And so in that, I I say I turn over my defense. I call them defenses of character because if I continue the conversation on how defective I am, that's not particularly helpful. so I, I make sort of a general statement, but when I encounter things that I realize are sort of standing in between me and freedom, um, I will intentionally look for what is the opposite of that, and then you know how would I act if that's who I believe myself to be, um, you know. So as they pop up and stuff like that, I'll take very specific actions around them. 
Yes. So you said I described the need to control from my childhood. Um, how do I handle that today? Well, the first thing is probably noticing it because um, sometimes, you know, it's that sort of ingrained behavior that I'm like, oh, often when things are derailing, I go, oh, God. Um, so the way it sometimes shows up is like in perfectionism, like wanting things a certain way or like with my coworkers, they're doing something. And I'm like, that's really not the way I would do it. And so pausing is really helpful. Uh, keeping my mouth closed is also very helpful. And that includes my mouth to myself. Because the first place I usually go is, what is wrong with you? Why are you acting like that? So I'm like condemning myself. It's rare that I'd be like pointing at someone going, you need to do this differently. Because that's, you know, that's less of what I would do. Yes. Thank you. Um, I know you as the person who's taught me a lot about body image. Could you talk a bit about body image? Sure, about body image. Um, I learned that for me in the same way that um, and this experience you know after I reached a healthy body weight I experienced more of this because I could could no longer I wouldn't buy it when my disease would say let's have a chocolate cake or like that looks really interesting I was like that's very nice we're not having that but I could easily be like what's the matter like I don't like the way this fits or what's you know like what's the matter with you and like why do you have that extra skin thing and like and I would constantly berate myself for things that I noticed in my body so I realized that it was my disease like switching and switching teams or something and so it was looking for a way to make me wrong or bad so I realized that I needed to um, begin to repair that so of course I went to the steps and and I you know, began to, like, how am I powerless over this? Well, my my mind just goes in that direction. Like, if it's literally like this, you know, like the metal detectors on the sand, it's the negative detector. It's looking for something. So it's looking for, like, what's wrong here? What's messed up here? What's, you know, and the easiest way is to, to make it about my body because and sometimes that's, that's a safer place to be than to deal with whatever it is I'm dealing with. So usually for me, when it shows up, I know it's an indication that there's something else going on. Um, and then I tried to focus. I literally would start with be like, okay, well, I've always liked myself sort of like from the neck up. And so I would look and be like, well, I really like my collarbones and stuff. And so I would look in the mirror. And one thing that I would say is, God, help me see me as you see me. Um, because I realized I had a misperception of myself. And then I would also literally like find one thing about my body that I liked and I would focus on it. And I would express gratitude for it and um, like just kind of begin to sort of utilize that muscle um, because I found that like yeah I have extra skin um, yeah like I didn't my body didn't turn out the way I thought it would or whatever I don't know that I really had an idea of what it would be like but um, I'm super grateful that I'm not 300 pounds anymore I'm grateful that like I can walk around I don't get out of breath um, I'm grateful that like my body moves and, and all the stuff that I put it through and it still like functions and it's healthy and it's like it's miraculous so switching in the conversations yes thank you so much can you talk a little bit about how you sponsor do you find yourself every time in our <laughs> <laughs> how, how I sponsor uh, very imperfectly um, I um, 
basically I do what what uh, early on what my sponsors did with me which is that you know obviously we make sure we have an abstinence um, then we begin to look at like what what kind of planning out of the food because I commit my food every night before I eat it for the next day so that's part of my process so basically I don't ask my sponsors to do anything that I don't do um, so I take them through the steps in the big book um, one of the things I had to do was get on the scale once a week so that's something they need to do um, and then you know as we work through the steps then we go on to the traditions and then we you know continue in the literature that way um, I, I do phone calls a few times a week um, I often recommend a certain number of meetings and stuff I'm going to basically say this is what I did to get recovery so if you want what I have then you need to do what I did because it's all I know I'm not saying it's the right way and I always say like you know like we can go from California to New York we can take a plane we can ride a train we can drive a car we can walk ride a bicycle I'm on the train but if every time you get on the train derails in Chicago you know or derails in Nevada or something like that then maybe you should get on a plane and this person's on a plane so we're all going on the path of the 12 steps but I have no monopoly on how this works I just have my experience and yes invariably there's things that and I'm sure my sponsors could tell you what they are because I don't know what they are but like I have those like every time you know <laughs> and yeah <laughs> Forgiveness, yes, that fascinating thing. Um, so, um, the one thing I would say about forgiveness is that it doesn't. It, in my experience, it hasn't come in the in the time or the fashion in which I expected it. Um, and there's usually several layers to it. It's not a one-time thing. Um, predominantly, in my experience, it requires. Um, an awareness of where there's um, some wounds and, and dealing with that um, so you know prior to that there's walking through like feelings and acknowledging feelings and lots of tears and writing and sharing and um, you know a number of things that I had to walk through with my parents I needed outside help for and um, but for me the the practice of forgiveness is a willingness to recognize that you know I really do believe that people are doing the best they can and sometimes their best sucks but it is the best that they can do and so if I'm expecting them to be different than they are that's not fair you know um, I can only I only have what I have or know what I know in this moment because that's where I am and so it's it's leaving a space for 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 love really you know um, for acceptance for um, vulnerability for fallibility um, and it's like a I guess I would just describe forgiveness as um, yeah it's kind of a surrender you know 
I feel like I'm doing a really lousy job of explaining this, but because I can't really like explain it. I mean, it's just it's a it's kind of a mystery to me how it happens or wh- when it happens. Or I just know that if I'm committed to it, because I'm committed to um, freedom and I'm committed to being of service and I'm committed to trying to connect to love you know wherever that shows up or wherever it might show up or where it's not happening and if I have something to do with it not being there like I get to look at that and a lot of it too has had to be um, self-forgiveness you know and you know not making myself wrong for how I did wasn't very loving or forgiving you know because again that that all stems from the same stuff you know um and it's not always easy and I didn't always want it you know like I you know there are plenty of people who would say like you have no reason to have to ever forgive that person blah 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 yeah but but it's always about my freedom I mean when I reached the the space at least with my father was I realized I, I was tired of being angry that's it it had it really had nothing to do with him. It's it's so not about the other person. It's about my relationship with me, because I'm the one who has to live with being angry. He's like he's fine, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes. Sure. Um, differentiate between food plan and abstinence. So my abstinence is three meals a day, nothing in between. I have. Two optional snacks. Snack is defined as a piece of fruit or serving of fruit. <clears throat> in addition to that, so that my for me, my absence I consider like in two pieces. One is the boundaries in between my food, and then the other is that I abstain from. Let's see if I can remember all these. Um, like blatant sugar. Some people call it recreational sugar, but like cookies, cakes, candy, cookie dough, all that super good stuff. Thank you. I'll wrap up with this. So, um, and a number of other things. If you want to know, I can tell you later. Um, and then my food plan is like what I eat inside of those meals. So if I'm to maintain a healthy body weight um, and eat in a way that supports my body, that usually tends to be more healthy. So I, what I specifically eat tends to be a lot of vegetables, protein, um, fats, healthy fats. Um, I don't really eat very many um, like grains or anything like that. Not much dairy because my body does not like those, I've learned. Um, and so the, in the food plan are things that I like to eat. Because if, if I'm stuck eating things I don't like, that's going to really quickly turn me into, like, what am I missing out on? Um, and so some of that is sort of a trial and error process of discovering over the years, and it's changed a lot. But in the very beginning, basically what it boiled down to, my sponsor would say, well, did you want, you, you're looking to lose weight, so you should eat weight-losing food. So I couldn't argue that, like, I was going to have pizza before like that stuff before pizza went on my abstinence before I was like oh this might be one of those things um, you know I couldn't rationalize having that in a meal and be like yeah I'm trying to lose weight you know she's like it just doesn't compute so that's um, that for me would be the distinction okay I'm sorry what oh five minutes okay so I guess yes thank you thank you what do you do Okay, my spiritual growth on a daily basis, as I mentioned, um, well, I get up in the morning and I, I 
try and make the first thought, thank you, God, for the gift of this day and my abstinence, the opportunity of service. Um, sometimes it's like, oh, really? That's the alarm? <laughs> and then it's that. But anyways, um, and then I jump in the shower because if I try and pray and meditate before taking a shower, uh, I'm going to totally fall asleep. So I get in the shower and then I sit down and I write a letter to God and then I go, I have a, like a little meditation space and um, I set a timer and I start out with two minutes because my sponsor early on said you have to pray and meditate and I was like meditate all I do is fall asleep when I meditate she was like so set a timer for two minutes you fall asleep you wake up and she was right so um, and then it's it's about added time you know like after a while I was like maybe five minutes would be good then maybe seven minutes then maybe now it's like 20 small minutes or whatever every morning um and I usually read like some program literature or some other um, religious um, or scriptural uh, writing or something like that. And um, and then I, I added on a couple of years ago, like I actually write a blog which has to do with my relationship with my higher power. Um, and, you know, there's usually like, you know, trying to center around my breath. I often have like a, a word or sort of a mantra that I repeat over and over again to kind of center my mind a little bit. And sometimes it doesn't center. Sometimes I got the monkey mind going crazy. Sometimes I fall asleep. But I show up every day and do it no matter what. Like, it just doesn't matter. Like, I just do it. And um, that's helpful because, you know, if I... There are times when I don't wake up going, I really want to do this. I mean, a lot of mornings I do. I really, I remember when I reached that point in the 11th step where it says we would, we would no longer, you know, like we would rather miss like food or water than to miss our, our prayer and meditation time. And I remember when I read that and went, oh my God, that's true. And I went, oh my God, wow, that's amazing. Like I would rather not have food than like, you know, like, whoa, that's when I knew something shifted. So, um, and then, like, I, I feel like I'm in constant conversation throughout the day, you know, like just learning to pause and to take a breath. And, um, you know, like uh, one of the things I do a lot if I, if I get anxious or, you know, I find myself trying to, like, you know, control something or, you know, or I'm irritated is I'll, I'll stop for a minute and I'll literally, like, place my hand on my heart and then take a couple deep breaths and just try and check in. And um, I've been sort of imagined that my higher power sort of, like, hangs out in my heart. I mean, like, my higher power is everywhere. But, like, that sort of brings me back to my center. Um, and then I, I try and look for it, like, how can I be of service? Um, and, you know, I, I pay attention to my thinking because that's usually the quickest way to disconnect me from God is, like, when I'm stuck in how I see everything. Um, and then at the end of the night... Um, Sometimes I do a formal 10 step. Sometimes I just do a, a gratitude list. Sometimes I, you know, just visually think about how things went during my day and, um, you know, what I'm grateful for. And, um, and you know, the, the amazing thing to me about this program is that, um, thank you, is that when I hit the bed at night, like, there's a peace. Like, I'm not, like, fraught with, like, oh, my God, what about this? Because I just kind of turn it over and, and I just say, you know, like, because interesting, and I'll just wrap up with this. Part of what I learned to do, because I can get really overwhelmed, was I would say to God in my letter, like, I ask that I accomplish what you want me to accomplish today. And so that, like, raging to-do list kind of faded away. So I trust at the end of the night that I did what was supposed to be done. If there's something that's undone, then it'll present itself to me in the morning. And with that, I can I can sleep fairly peacefully so mm-hmm